The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. It's time to get fired up. Fired Up is a show that delivers both business impact and social importance. Get ready to explore the connection between communications and human motivation. Our guests will share ideas on how to create higher returns on your communication investments by engaging the people who matter most. Our host, Gordon Rudo, CEO of Bonfire Communications, has bridged the communications gap from startups and nonprofits to the Fortune 500, from political leaders to celebrity CEOs. Get ready to be fired up with your master communicator, Gordon Rudo. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Fired Up. This is Gordon Rudo, your host. And I am uh, thrilled to have David Allen on today, which we're going to hear from in just a minute. Um, but we're going to talk about this context that we're living in uh, for a couple minutes and, and trend out some of the things that we've learned from other episodes. Uh, for those of you who have been listening for the last, I guess, about 11 or 12 weeks now, uh, you know that we focus on how to create healthy workplaces. That's been a big part of what we care about and, and what we focus the show on. Um, but when talking about healthy and vital workplaces, there's, there's a lot more than that. Um, especially these days, we need to focus on success and, and results. Um, so we've heard from a variety of guests on how do you create both individual success and collective success. And those of you who have listened to all 11 or 12 at this point um, know that the theme that I really focus on is this notion of co-creation. Uh, that we're here as human beings to probably uh, do a whole lot together uh, rather than thinking of ourselves separately. And as organizations, certainly we're here to achieve things together. So how do we actually co-create? What, what are the uh, different environmental factors and success factors that support that? Um, so we've heard uh, a variety of things over the last 12 episodes, just to theme a couple of them out. Donna Markova, in our very first episode, I think said, a solid foundation around this notion of self-awareness, looking at ourselves from a neurological or neurobiological perspective and what does it take to communicate and to engage and to inspire others it really starts with ourselves and recognizing that uh, everyone's got a gift and to recognize the other gifts are around us, we need to understand ourselves and how to engage that. Um, Beverly Kay then talked about how do we listen to people and how do we engage people in these meaningful conversations. She specifically focused on conversations about growth and uh, development, um, but there's a whole lot of material there from Beverly Kay that I, I urge people to go back to. Um, and then we both we heard from two different Terrys, uh, Terry McKenzie from Sun and Terry Pierce, uh, former SVP from Charles Schwab, uh, on similar topics, this notion about exposing truth, exposing authenticity inside of organizations, having fun, being vulnerable, talked about the leadership qualities, uh, both with the leadership team at Sun and Terry's experience with all of his clients, but specifically around Charles Schwab. Um, and then we had, again, two different research perspectives. I'm not sure if Amy Lyman is even up yet, but we heard from Amy Lyman uh, at the Best Place to Work Institute and, and talked about what are the characteristics of best places to work, and also heard from Jeffrey Saltzman over Conexa, and again, very similar uh, issues and perspectives around how do you build trust, how do you build confidence. Uh, Jeffrey Saltzman came at this notion of trust, 
uh, and confidence from this notion of, of bright future. How do we show people that there's great possibilities ahead for them? Uh, and then we heard from Amy on similar aspects of how do we learn and exchange ideas, build credibility, respect, and fairness. Uh, then we had Norm Smallwood on talking about results-based leadership and both Language in Common and Paul Salinger talked about this notion of, of how do we make sure that we, we keep the human connection in our relationships. And especially, as Shell Holt described, in these monstrous networks that we're creating with uh, social media and with technology, again, how do we keep these human connections, leverage these, these networks, and create organizations that are, are rich with ideas and, and possibilities, and people are, are having great connections and sharing together. So we've heard from a lot of different uh, individuals so far and, and incredible thought leaders on this topic. Um, and today, I think David Allen is going to shed a different uh, light for us, different perspective around individual and collective success from the, the getting things done world. And if anyone has had their head in the sand for the last 10 years, they might not know GTD. But if you haven't, um, GTD is uh, an incredible phenomenon. And I want to talk about just the context of why it is such a phenomenon with David this morning. So uh, sorry for the long-winded opening, David, but I wanted to tie this all together. I'm really thrilled to have you. So good morning. Good morning, Gordon. Glad to be here. So, David, when we talk about this context of, uh, of overwhelm, um, you know, people are working 15 hours, they've got projects, they've got paperwork, re, uh, reports, meetings, huge expectations, life demands, uh, huge global complexity. Um, what is going on in the world today with overwhelm, and what, what's keeping you up at night um, surrounding our global context or the work context? Well, I think what's different these days, Gordon, is how frequently everything is, um, meaning it's not about information overload. If that were the case, you know, you just walk into a library and blow up. Uh, it, what it really is is things that still require us to think and decide what its meaning is. We've, you know, somehow the ubiquity of the Internet the, and all of the, you know, technology and communication uh, access has made it such that not, it's not just information. It's like information that might be meaningful to me. Uh, you know, one of the, you know, if you learn to train dogs, one of the things you learn that if you really want to reinforce behavior, give them random reinforcement. And there's no bigger random reinforcement mechanism than email. Every once in a while, there's something really interesting and really cool in there. And so that random reinforcement just gets people addicted to staying involved in all of that. But the problem is emails don't tell you what, what they mean. You have to open it up, think about it, read. Is this something I'm committed to do? Is this something I want to do? How, how does this fit into my world? And so forth. That's what's new is how much of that stuff has landed in the world. And what I developed was or really recognized and synthesized was the thought process you have to apply to be able to discover and decide that meaning quickly and to park it in its appropriate place so that this stuff isn't, can, isn't like glue in your psyche. So you walk around with this sort of pigpen-like residue in your head. Yeah, and this is being followed by, by CEOs, by division leads. Uh, you have 420,000, I think, uh, following you on Twitter, 120,000 people on your e-newsletter. So from CEOs to housewives, I mean, this has become uh, somewhat of a religion. Um, 
do you think if this is being recognized that finding meaning is, is the difficult thing, or what's why do you think it's become the phenomenon? I don't think that people happened. have thought about the meaning of it yet. It just works, <laughs> you know. So it's like, and a lot of people kind of retrospectively say, "Well, here's why it works, and what it, you know, and what it is." And the reason it works is it, it actually, you know, I, I really discovered and uncovered it, the mechanical process, if you will, of you know how our psyche doesn't work very well. And you know, I'm not a psychologist or, a, or I'm just a practicing human being, but I just watched this stuff anecdotally over the years. And said, wait a minute, what are the principles that underlie when we're on and what causes us to, to be off? And how do you get back on again? See, most people, everybody's been on before. It's like when time disappears. You had one of those days where it's like, oh, lunchtime, where did the morning go? And we, everybody's had that experience. And then you just, that's probably one of your highest, most highly productive. By the way, when time disappears, there is no sense of overwhelm. There's no distinction between work and personal. There's no problem. <laughs> You're just on. The only problem is, is when you're off, is when, wait a minute, what happened? I was on, now I'm not, now I'm not feeling very on. And a lot of people don't know how they got on, how they fell off, and therefore how to get back onto it again when they want to. And that's just what I figured out. And the GTD process is actually one that you don't have to believe. <clears throat> it's not something you have to, some pill you have to swallow. Just go test it out. But the funny thing is, it's so self-evident. Oh, come on. Everybody listening to this at some point has had their has has felt overwhelmed and confused and sat down and made a list and felt at least a little bit better. Well, if you'd actually reverse engineered that and figured out why that worked, you'd never keep anything in your head the rest of your life. That's why I don't. <laughs> but apparently nobody sat down and figured that out. How come you feel better when you externalize your commitments? Well, let's figure that out. I did. Yeah, it drives you nuts. And, and after reading your books and spending time and talking to a lot of people about this, you know, I found myself the other morning, just as you predict in your books, uh, you know, 5.30 in the morning, oh, shit, I forgot yeah. to, you know, and you have those moments of panic. Um, right. So what's the relationship between those moments and, and what you describe as on and, and the term ready state? You talk about ready state quite a bit. Well, <clears throat> You know, I, I got into this because of the strategic value of clear space was made pretty evident to me when I got a black belt in karate years ago, way before you were born. Uh, but, you know, the high levels of training in the martial arts has an awful lot to do with what's the best head space to be in if four people jump you in a dark alley you don't expect. And it's not with 3,000 emails <laughs> unprocessed back in your in basket. So, you know, that's why when I'm not doing anything else, I'm cleaning up to zero because there's a surprise coming toward me, as is there is toward everyone that nobody can foresee. And when that surprise hits of potentially meaningful stuff, anybody not got enough meaningful things to do already, well, that surprise is going to be meaningful. And that means you're going to have to unhook, integrate, recalibrate, and refocus an awful lot of stuff in order to be able to navigate and negotiate the surprises that are coming toward you. What you don't want is anything pulling on your psyche so that you're not available 100% for whatever that thing is to be able to focus on it with no distraction. Well, I want to spend some time in a way, but most people, didn't, most people can understand that rationally and say, yeah, but how do you get there? And the real simple answer is, well, you, you know, take everything that's got your attention, get it out of your head, find it, ask yourself why it has your attention, and deal with, deal with what you need to deal with so it's no longer got your attention. So that, that sense of, you know, I talk about mind like water, which is an image, you know, I stole from the martial arts, but that idea is, look, pay attention to what has your attention. If you don't give it a, the appropriate attention, it'll start grabbing more of your attention than it deserves. 
So when we come back from break, I want to spend some time inside some of these models and, and maybe look at the natural planning model, your five phases, or some of the organizing techniques. Um, so we'll be right back with David Allen and, and take uh, the abstract here of what you're hearing as kind of the principles and concepts down into the real practices and tactics that he outlines in his books. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. Fired up on webmasterradio.fm. We'll return after this short break. Did you know? 99designs is a leading marketplace for graphic design on the Internet. Did you know? 99designs connects you to a community of over 35,000 designers who will compete to do the best work for you. Did you know? 99designs allows you to post projects for logo design, web page design, t-shirt design, and more. Did you know? 99designs projects need an average of over 70 different design options for a price that you set. 99designs. When designers compete, you win. Does your website need a bailout? Looking for a conversion rate stimulus package? Do you need a website improvement to-do list? On Target, a subscription service from FutureNow and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7, analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it so that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash ontarget. I'm Brian Eisenberg, and I approve this message. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the entertainment channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. You're getting fired up. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So we're back with David Allen, and, and after you got a sense of where this came from and, and how it all started, one of the, some of the key concepts behind it, uh, as I said, after uh, the break, we'd get into a model. And, and the, the one that I find to be the most intriguing, uh, working with organizations, and I want to take some of the work that David's outlined at a personal level and getting stuff out of your head to look at the organizational head. Uh, what is the organizational mind like water look like? Um, and, and I think the model of the five phase of natural planning. If you could talk about that some more and, and what these five steps are and what the unnatural versus natural, as you talk about in the book, kind of mean. Sure. Well, you know, I'm, I'm one of those kind of dummy guys. I said, look, there, years ago, as, especially as a management consultant, which is kind of how I got my feet wet in all this, uh, there were so many models and so many people talked about so many different things about project planning. I just sat down one day, scratched my head, and said, no, wait a minute. There's got to be something universal about how we, how we plan projects, how you plan stuff. So then I sat down and said, well, how do I actually plan things? And I, you know, I came to the incredibly radical conclusion that we're all planning all the time. You know, you're planning when you get, get up and go out, get out of the room. You're planning when you go to dinner. Everybody, you can't stop planning. So we actually are the world's most incredible planner. So then I sat back and said, well, how, how do we actually plan? And the truth is we go through five, these five stages or phases, and it's how you, you know, create a country or go out to dinner. <laughs> you know, the first thing is, look, I want to go out to dinner. You have an intention. So the intention or purpose 
is the ultimate driver. I'm hungry. I want to go out to dinner. And you might have different purposes, sign a business deal, romance, you know, just go out and have fun or whatever, but you have some intention drives it. So the natural thing that starts any kind of a planning process is an intention to have something occur that's not true yet. You also have in your inherent values that underlie all that. It, you know, when I go out to dinner, it needs to be affordable and you know, decent, good food and you know, a good atmosphere or whatever. Oftentimes, those are implicit, not explicit. But those are the top drivers. So, purpose and principles are, are essentially what drive the initial, the initiation of the planning process. And then you go, well, okay, well, then then you go into, well, wait a minute, what would success look like here? What would dinner look like? And what you're not doing is Roman numeral A, C, subset B, the first thoughts, the first substantive thoughts are, wow, we're gonna be, it's going to be cool, and food will be great, and we'll have a great time, and whatever. What you're doing is scenario building, and you're, what you're doing is positive scenario building. What does the vision of success here look like? So stage two, uh, as we naturally think and plan, is, well, okay, what what does success look like here? What's the outcome, essentially, that, what does it look, sound, and feel like in the world? That's stage two. Now, as soon as you identify, okay, we're going to be out to dinner, but then you look around and go, wait a minute, we're not out to dinner yet. Ah, you've now, now you find yourself in cognitive dissonance. <laughs> Basically, that says, wait a minute, the current reality does not match that picture. So your brain, in a sense, goes, wait a minute, now I'm slightly disturbed, and I need to get relaxation on that. How do I get there? Do I have to get dressed? Do we need to call the restaurant? Do I need to talk to the Smiths and see if they want to go? Yada, yada, yada. But basically, it does that in somewhat random order. So your brain then tries to fill in the blanks in a very, in a very natural way by brainstorming. And that's where mind mapping and brainstorming and just core dumping and just going, it's okay, well, okay, let's, let's, what are all the potentially relevant things we need to consider? So that's the how question, but how part A. And then there's a how part B. As soon as you get all that stuff out of your head, you go, well, wait a minute. I think first we need to call the restaurant, then we need to get dressed. Now you're going to start to sequence and organize. So stage four is an organizational process that automatically you took that random data that got generated by the dissonance, and then you start to sort it either in sequence or priorities or, you know, or, or major components. And once you do that, that's the organized piece, then you say, okay, well, great, now how do we allocate resources to start to make this happen, i.e., what's the next action, which is stage five, how do we now engage resources based upon all of that? Well, that all sounds pretty fancy, but we're doing that all the time. You and I are doing it right now just to form a sentence. We're actually, we're actually doing all of that. So that natural process, I think, well, duh, let's go see if that applies and if that works in the real world. And I have spent 25 years watching, spending thousands of hours, actually, in conversations with teams, management groups, individuals, saying, hey, if you have some sort of situation, you know, that is pulling on you and you want to get it under control and get a, the appropriate focus, hey, let's just ask you some simple little questions. Called, What's the purpose of this thing, you know, and what does success look like? And great, what are all the things that, let's brainstorm a little bit. Hey, let's get it organized. Okay, great, what's the next action? Again, advanced common sense, but it's not commonly applied. And I think people may have some of these more ingressed than others. For me, in working with organizations and individuals as well, I think getting clear on where, what your purpose and principles are, that has some challenges, but we can kind of grasp that. Having a vision for the future, you can kind of facilitate that. That makes sense. Brainstorming, I think people are, are comfortable with. The organizing piece, you have some kind of click downs into, and I wanted to just click down into your step four for a second around organizing. When, when we talk about prioritization, I've seen more organizations fail for too many priorities, no idea of how to prioritize, can't make decisions inside of priorities. This is a real issue. You talk about context, time, and energy as one of the different methods. Talk about either that method or some of the other tools that you have. How do you organize and develop priorities on that fourth step? Well, 
you know, in, in a way, it's a very simple thing. Call, look, which one of these things, if we do, is going to be the most important thing to, to fulfill the purpose to achieve the success? So there's the it's a plain old good common sense question that said, look, if you've got choices of five things to, to choose from, how you allocate your resources, which of these are the must-haves, which are the nice-to-haves, et cetera? Ultimately, when you come down to how priority, like what exactly do I do in this moment, there's the factor of, you know, you, the, the factors you just named are, look, if the most important thing to do right now is to make a phone call to my bank and see if I can extend the credit line, but I know that's going to be at least a 30-minute conversation, and you only got 10 minutes, that's not the call to make. <laughs> so, you know, there's just, that's the time frame. And, by the way, if you don't have a cell phone signal and you're out in your car, you, you, now you're not in context. I can't, I can't. You know, the, the action is to make a call, but I don't, I'm not in a context to be able to do that. I don't have the time to do it. Or, you know, you've been in, had one of those days you were in six meetings and beat up in five of them, and your brain is toast and scrambled eggs. You don't have the energy to actually be on that call and be intelligent and, you know, have the kind of energy you want to, to deal with that. So that comes down to the very tactical kind of limitations that we have as we determine, okay, well, wait a minute, what do I exactly do right now? I mean, the top driver is obviously going to be the, the horizons, as I talk about the horizons of focus. What's the purpose? What's, their, what's the big strategy? What's the big game? And you do need to go through that good old just self-consulting model to you know, figure out, okay, what are the, as I say, that nice-to-haves and the have-to-haves, and you know, of all of those, if we had to give up one, what do, what do we give up, uh, et cetera. And that's just good old hard-nosed business thinking and you know, in the consulting and strategic and tactical kinds of thinking processes. Uh, but those are all those factors really come in at any point in time of kind of what exactly do I do right now. I think the big key is you need, to, you need to work through all of these models until that project or situation is off your mind. If there's still something on your mind about it, it's not getting done. So there's the inverse relationship between on your mind and getting done. So all I did was just examine what is it, why, why are certain things on cruise control, even though they are very strategic, you don't have your mind on them. And the reason is you have made these decisions, you've thought this process through sufficiently and parked the results of that thinking into appropriate people or systems or places that you trust will then trigger the appropriate response at the right time. That then gets this stuff off your mind. So it is possible to be totally buried about hugely strategic, important things and have nothing on your mind. <laughs> it's just not free. You have to walk through these processes. So I want to spend time on this process at a, uh, a more global level, a life level. We're talking about things uh, pretty tactically when you're dealing with a strategy in front of you or a project in front of you. Uh, one of the questions that I've, I've fielded and I wanted to uh, hear your response to is, is how do you look at this at a life level when you're setting sure. purpose and vision and brainstorming and, and how do you track that? How do you, how do you know that you're making progress? So we're going to take a short break and come back with David Allen and talk about how this stretches from personal to organizational to really these, these long-term visionary or lifelong kind of uh, efforts that we have. We'll be right back after this break. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. Do you consider yourself a super affiliate? Then listen up. One of the most trusted names in affiliate marketing since 2003, XY7.com, has now launched XY7Elite.com, a private invitation-only affiliate program run by super affiliates for super affiliates. Enjoy private tested offers, weekly deposits right to your bank account or XY7 debit card, XY7 VIP concierge service, limousine transportation to and from major industry events, and the status of being one 
the Elite Publishers. XY7 Elite is not for everyone, as you need to be accepted and maintain volume requirements. Think you've got what it takes to be elite? Go to www.xy7elite.com or call 702-216-4000. 702-216-4000. This is a test of the PR Web content and news delivery system from PR Web and PRWebAuthor.com. If this was a real release date, your story would reach more than 30,000 journalists, 250,000 RSS subscribers, and just over 30,000 unique websites. PR Web can reach your target audience online, drive traffic to your website, achieve high rankings on search engines, and get your content on top news sites like Yahoo News. Editors are available 24-7 to help you optimize your content for maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PR Web release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to PRWebOffer.com for 25% off. PR Web, the premier online release news and content distribution service. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic tools give you the ingredients to create high converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit conversioncritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.conversioncritic.com. PPC Rockstars will take you to the promised land of PPC Profit. Live broadcast Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. You're getting fired up, only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So we're back with David Allen, and as you heard before the break, we're talking about the five phases of natural planning, one of the core models of GTD. Uh, and one of the questions that we fielded was, was, how does this translate to life? If you're looking at setting forth a 20-year plan or a long-range vision for yourself and you're using this kind of a model, um, how does it work and, and how do you know that you're making progress? How do you measure along the way? Well, you can literally walk yourself right through that for those five phases called, hey, why are, you know, what's your purpose? Why are you here? You know, how are you doing as a human being? And, by the way, what's really, really, really important to you? In other words, you don't care where you work as long as what. You don't care where you live as long as what. The answers to those will tell you what your values really are. So understanding those and having those... By the way, if you figure that out before you die, I think you're in the fast lane. So everybody thinks this is an overnight sit-down and I now know, figure out my life purpose. And they don't know that's too hard, so then they don't do any thinking about it. It's just one of those constant, okay, what's your, what's your best cut at it today? And then tomorrow when you get a little more experience, a little more maturity, take it again. Take another cut at it. So, you know, constantly rethinking that is a very, very healthy thing to do because ultimately that's going to be your, your final criterion about your priorities. Am I on purpose or not? And then, of course, you say, yeah, well, great, now I've got a sense of what my purpose is. I mean, mine, as best I know, is to, you know, is to experience and access and express the highest energy, you know, available to me. So then I say, yeah, but that, well, that sounds nice and noble, but what does that look like in the world, David? And that's where I come down to vision. So stage two, okay, what would success look like? 
oftentimes a good practical way to think about that. It's okay. How far out can you see and stretch a little further? You know, because that gives you permission to actually give yourself to, uh, to actually identify with stuff you wouldn't give yourself permission to think about for tomorrow. If I can think five years from now, say, oh, well, that's long enough. I could be, I could write fourteen more books, and I could be, you know, having GTD in the educational system around the world, and yada yada. yada. And I have that. So, you know, you could sit down and say, okay, here's what I think this would look like while success in the world is far out as I could see. Then you need to, you know, step it down to, okay, well, great. Now, then how do I, what are all the things that would come to mind? You know, what's the delta between where I am and that vision? And then you would just brainstorm, well, I need to do this, and I need to take a writing course, and then, oh, yeah, that reminds me, and yada, yada. And you can go through a kind of a brainstorming, just core dump for yourself. Just get everything off your head about what might be relevant to moving you in that direction. Then start to get organized. Say, okay, well, what are some of the projects that you might need to complete or finish, you know, in the next few weeks or months that might start moving you in that direction? Oh, I think I'll there. I, I want to research writing classes in my area. Fabulous. Now you got a project. By the way, what's your next action? Oh, okay. And then we're going to come down to real stuff. Okay, surf the web for writing classes. Now, you know, now you got your whole purpose and your core values and your vision, and you got your brainstormed, and you got your organized, and then you sit down at your computer, computer booted up, and hit a key, and you surf the web, and you're on. So, you know, whatever your version of that might look like, it, it, as I say, it ain't rocket science unless you're building rockets, but that's, you know, it, again, it's pretty a natural process. process. Yeah. What most people process. try to do is say, okay, let me sit down and get organized. So they try to start with phase three. That's why that's the unnatural model. Hi, what's most important? Well, you're not going to know most important really until you know, wait a minute, what's really, you know, kind of purpose and what's the vision look like until you have that. And until you brainstorm, you really don't know, you know, actually, actually what's the most important. So most people aren't actually capturing stuff or doing some of the more right-brained and some of the more creative kind of visioning before they sit down and start to try to get organized. And now, I think this I is a great that, segue. Uh, that, that, that being said, there is a ready-fire aim. You know, go just pick some action and start moving on it. Actually, m- much further ahead to just start doing something than to sit there and try to decide. <laughs> because moving will start to give you more information and because not deciding just means you're needing information and starting to move on things and start to pay attention to your feedback and then course correct that's how you spar in karate that's how you do anything you don't want to stand still you want to keep moving so there is some value to say at whatever level you can pick something on this model level okay start getting organized and then you'll at some point you go wait a minute i need more clarity good then boot up then go back up to the vision again oh now i need to get more done and get more data great go start taking an action on this and see what you find out so this is not a in concrete thing. It's really a very dynamic, flexible thing. You just want to be able to give yourself the freedom and permission to put your focus at any one of these stages as required. Well, it's an interesting challenge and an interesting segue to the personal to the organizational because when, when organizations are, are spending time on the tactical and brainstorming and, and not spending time on the purpose and vision, they might be just spending resources and putting dollars and people to efforts that are not fruiting or not in the right direction for the company. And so sure. spending time in that first couple steps is, is critical when you're, especially when you're looking at you know, resources and organizations. So talk about it at an organizational level. We're running out of time, but I, I want to touch on this point before we get to the close is, you know, how, how do you work in facilitating this process inside of a, a business? Do you, do you lead through these steps in an agenda and, and you facilitate that planning process? Or how do you look at cultures and organizational uh, constructs and how do they transform using GTD? 
Yes, all the above. <laughs> so, you know, let me give you a simple clue. These five stages of, you know, if, if you need more implementation, go down. If you need more clarity, go up. So <clears throat> oftentimes people are, love the blue sky brainstorming vision stuff, but not much is happening. You need to then bring the focus down to, wait a minute, let's get organized and decide some chunkable things we can finish and allocate who's responsible for those. So oftentimes that's the toughest conversation you need to have. <clears throat> Sometimes, as you say, people are out there tactical. They got structures, they got actions, they got projects, but nobody knows where those projects came from or why they're doing them. <laughs> so they need some clarity. We're starting to run into each other out there. Well, great. How about we back up a little bit and uh, talk about the vision in terms of where, what success looks like again, so we can recalibrate these projects against that. So again, if you need, and uh, here's the, the the rub: is that most organizations and teams need both more implementation and more clarity. So you really need to just use this as a template to say, have we finished enough thinking about this <clears throat> at this horizon? Have we finished the thinking at this horizon? My new book, Making It All Work, actually explores in quite a bit of detail this what I call the six horizons of focus that map very closely to the planning model. And uh, we've had you know, a lot of executives actually use that model as a great way to, for instance, blend divisions when they bought a company and had to merge and had two very different teams that had to get together and get aligned very fast. And basically those horizons are, you know, purpose and principles, vision, you know, 40,000 feet, 30,000 feet, what are the things we need to accomplish? So that's where you have 12 to 18-month kind of goals and plans. And then you come down to what I call 20,000 feet, what are the areas of responsibility we need to maintain at standards? Well, back up the computers, we need to have happy staff, and we need to have systems, et cetera. And then you come down to projects, what I call 10,000 feet, and those are, and this is all just part of, okay, if we started to get organized and get this more tactical, then you need to come down to what are the, what are the things we need to finish about all this and allocate responsibility, and then you have actions. So those, those are all very different conversations with very different contents once you lead those conversations. So again, if you need more clarity, you just go up that scale on those horizons, and if you need more implementation, you come down. And it works right, at a okay. macro level, it works at a micro level, it works anywhere. That's a, that's a helpful orientation in that. Uh, I'm having questions come in right now, and, and that's one of the questions that just came in. Um, so do we have enough information? Do we need to discuss this? Where do we need to move on that thread? So, so to the next point, because we, I really want to get to this uh, before we close, um, technologies and tools and products, you know, what, what's hot right now? What do you like in terms of implementing your, your models and, and this thinking process? Uh, what would you recommend that people look at and uh, engage with? Ultimately, all you need is a good list manager that you can access fast and get to ubiquitously when you need it. Because most of these things, all you need to do to manage them is list. You don't really get too wrapped around the axle and too, too uh, detailed and too, you know, you don't have to think too much to use the tool. So a good list manager, and that can be low-tech just in file folders where you keep track of projects or calls you need to make in a folder so, so labeled. A mid-tech way would be, you know, paper planners or paper organizers, some sort of just loosely planner so you can make lists on pages. Very easy to see. That's probably the best list manager tool there is, generally speaking. And then you can use the high-tech side. Any, any kind of, you can use the task function side of Outlook, or you can use the to-dos and Lotus Notes, or you can use, you can use, even use Gmail folders. It's a little bit of a workaround you have to do to make that work. But anything, frankly, that, that, that you can use, you just need to find something you will use. And, you know, there is... I personally use Lotus Notes. It's been a fabulous tool for 15 years, and just organizationally, and you know the recent new, new models of them. And a good friend of mine is a technologist who's built the e-productivity component to that. That he and he's worked with me for 15 years, and we've actually made that overlay so it maps very closely to my models, and that's what I use. And it's very elegant and very slick. 
But again, a lot of these things are just kind of trainer wheels. Once you really know what you need to keep track of, eh, the tool is not that important. You do need a tool because you need to keep this externalized out of your psyche, and it needs to be accessible to you both for input as well as for review appropriately. So you need to have something, and the more portable it is and the more that you can compact it into one thing so you don't have to look 65 places to remind yourself of what you've been committed to, you know, all those work. So people are, are into the iPhone apps and getting emails saying, you know, what apps, what tools, what technology, what PDAs, but you're right. And I think this is an important lesson that, that Shell tried to teach us weeks ago, too. Don't let lost in the technology. Figure out what really works for you. Um, so well, as we, you, know, Apple, you know, Apple's primarily an entertainment company, you know, and a creativity okay. company, and thirdly is a productivity company. So they're a little behind the curve in terms of being able to tie iCal and a bunch of other things, though, as we speak, literally. I mean, the OmniFocus people have done a really good job of creating both an iPhone sort of list manager app that maps to my technology and as well as, you know, as well as to the Mac. But again, all of those work. And, they, you know, everybody's adding stuff as we speak, you know, because it is kind of a hot area called well, what's the coolest and the latest and newest. But usually people are into productivity porn if they don't really know what the purpose of these things are. Once you actually find out what the purpose is, you can solve that purpose, and then you don't get, you know, wrapped around these things. I mean, it's a fine hobby if you want to you know, make that a hobby, just go look at all the different stuff. But once you handle that purpose, you should just be off and do, getting stuff done as opposed to thinking about it too much. So we're out of time, but I need you to, to wrap this up. If there's uh, three things that our listeners could do starting tomorrow, uh, and obviously there's a tremendous amount of material here, but if you were to grab the essence and give them a couple takeaways, where do you want them to focus? Yeah, absolutely. Job one, get it out of your head, whatever it is. If it's on your mind, get it out. Write it down. Throw it in your in-basket. Record it. Put it somewhere. Get it out. And then before too long, decide exactly what it means. And the two questions there are what outcome am I committed to and what's the next action required to move it forward. And then thirdly, uh, park the results of that into some place that you trust you'll see at the right time. That's how you get clear amidst all of this. And I'll just grab that middle one that you just said, you know, understand the outcome and what your next step is. Uh, I've been adopting that one uh, pretty religiously, and it's been incredibly helpful. So these are some of the simple things that we can do. So we're going to have to sign off. I know, folks, uh, that we run a little late today. I appreciate you staying on. So, David, just for people who wanted to find out more or learn about what you're doing these days, where do they best find you or, or get in touch with your material? Well, a core would be at our basic website, davidco.com, D-A-V-I-D-C-O.com. My new book, Making It All Work, Winning at the Game of Work and the Business of Life, is, should be out there. You can get it in all the, all the places you can get books. Free and easy way to get there is gtdtimes.com. That's a, sort of our the GTD blog. So GTD Times, check out his books. You can Google him and find out all of his materials. And check out uh, David Allen on Twitter, too. I just followed him, and, and he's doing a good job providing real value in that technology. So uh, thank you, David, for joining us. Uh, there's more material here that maybe uh, you would uh, come back again another time. Um, but thanks for joining us today and for Webmaster Radio, and we'll catch you next week. Any closing thoughts, David? Uh, just thanks a lot, Gordon. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, this stuff is easier than it sounds. Uh, you just got to go apply itself to it. That's all. And I'll be happy to come back. Thrilled to have you. Thanks, David. And we'll check you out next week and fire it up. Take care, folks. <laughs>